Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 8, Into Exile. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. You can find Episode 1 of Season 1 easily at 15minutesontheway.com. Otherwise, if you're already on the way with us, welcome back. I've missed you, friend. Here is today's story. We ended last week's episode with a request that you read the first 11 verses of Jeremiah 29. Everyone loves verse 11, but I want you to see its fuller context. If you read it, you know that this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It said, this is just the first part, you can still go back and read it all. It said, This is what Yahweh Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to me, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what Yahweh Almighty, that would be me, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is what I say. When seventy years are completed for Babylon... I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And here's the lick you've heard before. For I know the plans I have for you, declares me, plans to protect you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I'm sure you see a good number of the parallels in your life, but let us unpack some together. Much relies on the journey we have been on in terms of the reasons behind their exile. Reasons we'll not rehearse again here other than to say that our children are in exile because of their sin. Well, so are you. So's the whole human race. Exiled from Eden, from us, from the homeland for which you were designed and intended, Instead of still walking side by side with us in direct presence, you are exiled to mortality. 
In his letter, Jeremiah delivers the wonderful news that once again casts a line into the future, this one on the nearer side, advising that their exile in Babylon will last 70 years. It's been a while since we mentioned numeric resonance, but this one cries out to be noticed. The completeness of the base of ten multiplied with our lordship over all which we created in seven days. Yes, we did it in six, actually, with rest on the seventh. The chronicler brings this up as the reason for seventy years of exile. The land must make up for all the Sabbaths it has missed under kings who didn't know their Sabbath from a saber. All the days that it lay desolate it kept Sabbath to fulfill seventy years. Second Chronicles 36.21 NRSV In the meantime, we urge them to do all they can to thrive, construct houses, plant gardens, build families, and the next generation or two. They are to seek the welfare of the city in which they find themselves for now. They are to pray for the city in which they are exiled and call my blessing down upon it. So are you. Though our discussion of exile and return from it is just beginning, and much of it comes later in the Abra plan, in the present moment in the life of Israel, remember we're back to just Israel, not Israel or Judah any longer. Thanks be to me, this will be your final clarification on that. In the present moment in the life of Israel, they and our message to them are a simple yet striking metaphor for the current status of the human race. They are in a temporary place away from their intended home, and we have promised to return them to their optimal state at the right time. Now, it's too early to start talking about what your return from exile is going to look like. We've got much more ground to cover before we get there, but I will say that this metaphor of moving you from one place to another speaks more to a spiritual displacement on your part, though all of it quite definitely ripples through the physical spectrum as well. I am not exactly working towards taking you off-planet at exile's end. Isaiah actually shows a bit of our hand in this regard at his very end by letting slip that I am planning on making a new heaven and new earth for the final Abraplan phase. That's in Isaiah 66, 22, and 23, which also notes that by that climactic point, all that live will be worshiping me, bringing in the Abraplan's major all-the-nations clause in full. Isaiah brings them into the fold in 56, 1 through 8. The primary point is this. You are away from us for now. With the Abra plan, we are working towards bringing you back to us and our presence. Where exactly that is, we will hold off on until you've got more on which to hang those concepts. One of the chief lessons from our words to Israel just now, then, is that while you are away from us at present, we do not want you to treat recklessly the life we have given you or the home in which we have placed you, whether that home be a domicile, neighborhood of which neighbors are the core, or planet. Pray and care, then, for the place in which you live, the city, if you will, in which you are exiled, whether your home be rural or urban. 
call my blessing down upon it. See yourself as part of my answer to that prayer, for you surely are, and be a blessing to those around you. You don't have to bake cookies for all your neighbors, though some of you might be called to do just that. But do look at everyone around you as a fellow sojourner in exile and treat them as such. We'll have more to say about this, too, as time goes on. But as we have called Israel to make the most of their time in exile, we say so to you as well. Consider the cruder example of incarceration, the harshest of exiles. If you're doing a dime up the river, those ten years will go by a lot faster if you seek blessing and take advantage of classes and other opportunities. Plus, you'll come out better equipped for the future, even if everybody calls you a programmer for now. You can make the most of your time wherever you are. How you spend your time in exile, whether you're living in prison or mansion just now, will impact your life both now and when your exile ends. For I promise you, it shall. Then the part of Jeremiah's letter, or book for that matter, that is everyone's favorite hits, though they often miss some of the most important points. Before the justifiably warm and fuzzy feelings wash over you with verse 11, you've got to take them in their full context. While I am working towards your welfare and a hopeful future, these things are not simply going to plop in your lap, just as they won't for Israel either. Blessing, well-being, and hope are found with me on the way. In order for you to have a verse 11 life, you have to practice verses 12 and 13. Call on me. Come and pray to me. Search and seek for me. Searching and seeking takes all kinds of forms, one of which is what you're doing right now, listening about me. Taking in information about me, whether it's listening to this project, your study of Tom, or other resources, taking in inspired and inspiring information about me, whether it's through your study of Tom or other resources like this one that link Tom to us. I think we've made clear that the owner's manual is a primary, essential, and crucial map to life on the way. It is not, however, an end in itself. Tom points to me. It must lead you to the point where it's actually time to stop just thinking and reading about me. It's time to engage, to reach out, to cry out to me. I am right here. You don't have to find a cathedral or synagogue in which to talk to me. The earth is my cathedral. If you're on it, I can hear you. If you make it to Mars, don't worry, I'll hear you there too. Israel is in exile because they reduced life with me to the same level on which the other nations lived with their gods. They reduced me to a transaction. Offer an appeasing sacrifice, get better crops. We are not a transaction. Our prophets have been making that point over and over. Amos got the ball rolling, and everyone else has followed his lead. We do not desire transactions from you. We desire relationship with you. 
That's why Jeremiah is not telling the exiles to make sacrifices to us in Babylon. Before any sacrifice they bring can have any meaning to them or me, they've first got to seek, search, cry out, to pursue relationship and return to me with their whole heart. Jeremiah 24.7 And what'll happen if you dare to do that? Well, then verse 14 kicks in. I'll let you find me. I'll restore your fortunes, keeping in mind that our definition of fortune is not your habitats. And I'll gather you from exile. I am not calling you to be with me on the way so that I can feel powerful and in charge. I am calling you to be with me on the way so that I can, in loving relationship, bless you, protect you, and rescue you from the morass of consequence that swirls off the way. I will bring Israel back from exile in order to both bless them and move the Abra plan forward. I will bring you back from exile for the same reasons. For now, however, both you and Israel are in your exile chapters in the Abra plan, and we are trying to make both of you see that there's far more to be done than simply wait for this chapter to end and the next one to hit. In addition, the fact that another chapter is certainly coming is a reason to hang in there and make the most of your current moments. To that end, now is a prolific time in Israel's life for our prophets. The ones who've already started, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and even Isaiah, as well as several others not yet heard from who I will light up in exile. You knew we had to finish off the even dozen of the minor prophets sometime. Jeremiah has overseen Israel's exile speaking first to prevent it, then to guide through it. Instead of living in the abundant security offered him in Babylon by its captain, the prophet casts his lot with the ragtag leftover crew that scurries down to Egypt against his and our advice. When you think about it, no one has ever listened to him, at least not enough to turn the course of things. His call from us came at a dark time but Jeremiah has proven faithful through it all. He has not experienced what most of you would label success, as time after time his words have fallen on stubborn ears. Of course, a prophet's vocation is never one of popularity, ease, or luxury, but Jeremiah's mission has been decidedly sparse. However, he has never walked away from his mission, complaining that he wasn't happy or that it was no longer fulfilling for him. He stayed the course and proclaimed our will, knowing that this was his call. That the people ignored him and us was not the fault of Jeremiah, but of the pride in the hearts of our stubborn, selfish children. Not to put too fine a point on this, but there is a strong lesson in this aspect of Jeremiah's life for you whether you consider yourself to be a spokesperson for us or not. On one very important level, every individual who is on the way does represent us to those who are not. And so Jeremiah's lesson is universal in that regard. This particular lesson doesn't sound right in your habitat, so listen closely. 
you can be faithful to us and our call on your life and not produce tangible, measurable results as defined by the world around you. Large numbers of people may not cast their stubborn, selfish life aside to join you on the way as a result of your witness. In fact, those who know you may ridicule you as they did Jeremiah for walking on the way, as your life contrasts with the common approach to nearly everything in your habitat. It's highly unlikely, however, that you're going to get thrown into a cistern. This is not to be taken lightly, friend. There are many that belong to me who face far, far worse fates in some parts of earth right now. Keep walking with Jeremiah. Trust in our call and in our message, as counterintuitive as the people and habitat around you may find it. In spite of the glowing terms of Jeremiah 29 and the promise of abundant plans for the nation, there are times when that abundance is found solely in the knowledge and experience of our favor, and not in the embrace or even acceptance of your nearby habitat. There will be times when those around you recognize our grace and nobility in your walk, but you must not live to gain these fleeting accolades. If your time on the way right now isn't winning you any popularity contests, consider Jeremiah and walk in his shadow a while. He knows your pain, and so do we. He also knows that, and pardon the vernacular here, it ain't over till it's over. And so let us finish with our old friend Jeremiah with his most dramatic line into the future. So important is this text that I am not going to ask you to go get Tom out for it, although you can and follow along. I don't want a single one of you to miss this. The whole journey we have been on together thus far resonates in Jeremiah's prophecy basing the radical goodness of the future on a transformation of all that has gone before on the way. Here it is, from Jeremiah 31. Yahweh declares, oh yes I do, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people." No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know Yahweh, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 31-34 Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to support us, spread the word. Give us a review on iTunes or Facebook. Then share a link to Episode 1 with your friends. We hope our time together today has reminded you that you, friend, 
are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And be good to yourself.